Season 2, Episode 2, coming in hot, coming in super hot. Um, We have a great episode today lined up. A little bit of housekeeping. If you're not subscribing, um, why? Why not? Uh, I feel like at this point you probably just have enough good good content. We've got enough good episodes for you to listen to. I feel like you should really hit that sub button. Um, So it's just something to consider. I don't know if you're listening in a friend's car. I don't know if you've listened on the website, uh, sort of on a one-off. But I feel like you could just throw a little subscribe. You know, never hurt anyone that I know of. Uh, but it would mean a lot to me. Um, keep listening. Uh, the episodes will just keep getting better and better, hopefully. Uh, I don't know if that's true. But uh, anyway, have a great week. Happy Tuesday. And here we go. Episode two, season two, episode two. I think it's like episode 21 overall. Who's counting? And I started to show people and say, what do you think of this idea? And got a very positive reaction to it. People would say, oh, I love it. So let me know when it's live and I'll, and I'll subscribe. And after a few weeks of that, I started to carry a square with me. And when they would say that, I'd put the square in my phone. And I'd say, it's live, swipe your card. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I work in early stage venture capital. And on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we have Matt Meeker, co-founder and CEO of BarkBox. He teaches us about the lucrative pet industry and the importance of data in the pet world. So today on the show, we have a very special guest, Matt Meeker, the co-founder and the CEO of BarkBox. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks for having me. So what is BarkBox? (laughs) BarkBox is a way of making your dog happy once a month. So we send you two toys, two treats, one chew for your dog. That's the basic formula. But as it goes on, we get a little bit smarter and we we learn more about you and your dog and what you like. And the box becomes more and more custom to your taste or to your dog's taste over the month. So it's just a great experience to make your dog happy once a month. And how did you end up in the pet business? Uh, I ended up in the pet business by getting a dog that named Hugo, who I'm obsessed with. Hugo's a Great Dane, and he's uh, <laughs> Great Danes are, are huge. And so he's a little bit of an oddball when it comes to where we live here in Brooklyn. And I was looking for ways to make him happy, not finding those in our local pet stores. And so I... I invented a way that I didn't expect to drag me into a new industry or a new job, but but it sure did. So my dog brought me into it. And Great Danes are actually pretty good city dogs, right? They have like a mild temperament. Oh yeah, he very very uh, very gentle. Um, here he comes now. Oh, straight for the food. Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, yeah, very very gentle and kind. Um, and giant the giant likes to go out and run around but then when he's home he likes to lay on a couch or the bed or a chair and just sleep so great dogs for the city how big is hugo hugo's about 130 pounds uh when he when he stands up he's taller than me so he's probably 
uh, 6'2", 6'3", when he's on his back legs. Like a teenage pony size. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> um, and how did you – it might be self-explanatory, it might not, but how did you come up with the name BarkBox? Uh, that's, that's a funny story. We came up with the idea first, and, and then my co-founder, Henrik, made it into um, a little bit of a landing page. Henrik's Danish, and he he's very talented in many ways, but naming is not one of those. Uh, so the, the first name that he put on it was called Doggy Baggy, um, <laughs> which yeah, you is might, awful. You might not have had the same level of success. <laughs> Maybe not. So first we had to talk Henrik out of that name. Um, he thought it was brilliant. and And then we just started going through the sounding things out and birch box was out in the world and it, it just rolled off the tongue one day and then we went to uh haley and katya at birch box and sort of asked permission to say that because the names are so similar and and they were very gracious and let us do it that was very nice of you because i i mean i don't know if they have any entitlement over the name over calling something blank box but that was you you went about it the right way good for you <laughs> How did yeah. how did you go from oh this would be a kind of a cool thing for my giant great dane to uh connecting with Henrik uh turning this into a real feasible business and then taking it all uh, on full time Um it, so Henrik created that that oh, there he goes There he is He Hugo stop it He created that uh what I'll call a landing page but just in image form and I started, I started carrying that around on my phone. I was working in venture at the time, so meeting a lot of people every day. Um, and I started to show people and say, what do you think of this idea? And got a very positive reaction to it. And people would say, oh, I love it. So let me know when it's live and I'll, and I'll subscribe. And after a few weeks of that, I started to carry a square with me. And when they would say that, I'd put the square in my phone. And I'd say, it's live. Swipe your card. And started to pile up subscribers that way. And and it just took off. And we all of a sudden there were a thousand people and we hadn't really done anything. And uh, it was just too big of an idea to ignore. So it it pulled me in in a very surprising way. What year was that? That was uh, 2011. And how did you fill? So, okay, you started getting subscribers. Did you even have a product yet? No. <laughs> so you were just sort of, you got to sort of dog food. Oh, God, a great pun. I'm so proud of myself. The product before you even had a product. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, we, we got to a place of about 50 or so subscribers who had um, swiped the card on the square and we panicked a little bit and said, these people are probably expecting us to send them something. Uh, what do we do? So uh, we, we went out and we recruited our third co-founder, who's Carly, Carly Strife. Um, Carly was the 13th person at Uber and had so stood up the New York Uber market, if you will. And we found her and convinced her to do this and said, we have a shell of an idea and some people have swiped their card. You figure out the rest. And she did. Um, so she went out and found the products and put it all together. And um, we we always 
put all the work on Carly. We let her do all the hard stuff. You must be incredible uh, negotiator because leaving Uber in 2012 or whatever year she left probably wasn't the, I mean, it wasn't a popular decision. <laughs> wasn't the smartest thing to do. No, it worked out. I mean, it worked out. It, it will work out incredibly for her. But how did you convince her to leave a rocket ship? Uh I think like many rocket ships at the time we were convincing her, it, it, it maybe didn't seem that way. Um, it was, I think still in that stage where a lot of people questioned it and said, uh, nobody's going to pay, um, to take a, take a limo everywhere, or a black car everywhere. That's a very small market doing all the things that we do, right? We look at the size of the taxi industry and say, right. oh, it's a, it's a very small market. There's no way this thing's going to be big. And her days were spent um, going to car bases and arguing with union people and directing cars to go pick up people and customer support. And um, it, wasn't, know, the, it, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't necessarily yeah, a pleasant day to day job. All the all the glamorous things that come with starting a car service. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so she loved dogs and it, it was the opportunity to, to be a co-founder in a business and uh, yeah, I think it turned out well for her, but everything would turn out well for her. She's very talented. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's the common denominator. It's, she's just going from successful to successful, successful business to successful business that says something about her. So that's great. Yeah. Um, and so that first box, what was in the first box? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't remember the products. They, they weren't ours. So they were third-party products. I don't remember what they were. I do remember uh, us packing everyone ourselves. Um, and it went out in December of 2011. So we, uh, we got Sharpies and we were writing in the lid of every box a holiday message. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever. And I remember we got most of the way through when Henrik asked us, holidays does that have one l or two? Oh god <laughs> and we said one l he's like no one will notice it's fine yeah <laughs> so. it, yeah doggy baggy has four g's so <laughs> right uh, what are you um one of the things that i'm curious about is so part of the brilliance in my opinion about this business and and part of the reason that you probably have uh you know great retention rates and things like that is Dogs seem to be pretty happy with whatever. Like <laughs> dogs will eat things they're not supposed to eat. Uh, so, and and that's not all dogs, I know. But it, how do you how do you measure dog NPS? How do you measure dog happiness? Yeah, uh, and that's right. We are we are very fortunate that we have a an easier customer than say Birchbox or any of the cosmetic companies. Um, they they're pretty accepting of whatever we give them. Um, we, we also have the, the parents in the household to please. So we have to sort of trust their feedback. So we do the, the normal NPS gathering. We send out product surveys pretty regularly. Um, and we take all that information and, and put it in and we build a, um, behind the scenes profile of every dog and then customize every box. So they hopefully are happier and happier and, at this point, we were sending out about 30,000 unique assortments every month based on what we've learned about each dog. 
Wow. What would the difference be? So what would be an example of a difference between a, you know, let's say a 12-pound dachshund and a and 130-pound Great Dane? <laughs> is it just the volume or is it the actual, the 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 size of the squeaky toys or the, um, yep. wh- what are some of the varieties that you work with? It starts there. It starts with size and volume. Uh, it, there are some, some must-haves like, uh, some dogs are allergic to different items. So if a dog says, I'm allergic to chicken, we don't send chicken. Um, or if they have a preference for beef, we send more beef. Uh, some dogs are what we call heavy chewers. So we send more durable toys. Uh, we've tested different types of fabrics with the toys, different types of squeakers with the toys. So, uh, We've inferred that some dogs like a higher pitched squeak or a longer squeak, some like um, a lower pitched one. So we will adjust to that. So there, there are many different variations within. And our owners are deducing all of these things? These are like yeah. the owner no, saying, oh, they don't like a high squeak, but it could really mean that the owner doesn't like a high squeak. Uh, no, they're not doing it. We're saying on a one to five scale how much did you or your dog like this product? When they say five, we look for common attributes between toys that they've liked. So if they uh, consistently like a toy that sounds a certain way or has a certain color, then we'll, we'll play to that going forward and keep testing those theories. And then then some are more explicit, like uh, an allergy. People will come right out and say, don't send this. My dog's allergic. And those are the things we can't guess at. We've got to be right. Are we going to be communicating with dogs in our lifetime? <laughs> I, I hope so. Uh, I, I think I talk to my dog quite a bit and, and he talks back through his unique voice, but uh, I'd really hope so. I think your data will be the foundation of however we start finding, figuring this stuff out. Because I, there, I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and how. And if you start to get preferences, we're sort of. I feel like the initial, yeah, the initial groundwork is being laid. Um, God, that yeah, would be, and what a world that would be. There's some really good. Um, there are some people who are smarter than I am who spend a lot of time studying dogs and. Um, their, uh, I guess their makeup, if you will. And they, uh, we've learned a lot just from, um, taking their learnings. Like there are certain colors, dogs can see colors, um, but not the same spectrum that we see. And so we've learned that uh, I'm going to mess this up right off the top. Uh, we've learned like not to make, I think it's a red toy. Because a red toy, when it goes into the grass, red and green to a dog look almost identical, so that it'll get lost. But if you put a brown toy out there, it stands out, and they can find it easier. So, so real insights that we've gathered from other people and tried to to work into into our process. Yeah, that's really helpful. And do you make the products, or do you source from third parties? We make them all. Um, they're all ours today. Wow. Uh, we, yeah, when we started, it was all third party, and over the years, we've evolved, and so today, it's all ours. When did you make that shift? Uh, it's been gradual over the last probably three, four years. Um, we, 
it was a very evolutionary thing. And uh, I think if we had planned to do it, we would have messed it up. Uh, but it just sort of happened to us or we sort of took the steps going to it. And it, and then all of a sudden we were there. Um, and are you all, are you the sole distribution for, for your products or do you also sell through pet stores and sort of more old fashioned distribution channels? Uh, not through any pet stores yet, but we do sell through retailers. So we, we sell through Target and Meyer stores and another dozen or so chains. Um, I'd guess about at this point, maybe 2,500 door retail doors and then through Amazon. But mo- is most of your business is direct, I would guess. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Still, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we've cracked 10% on the rest, but around 90% is direct. Uh, and what are some, how did you, how did you, uh, get started? Did you bootstrap? Did you raise money? Um, you and, uh, and the team sort of got together and did you just sort of, uh, decide to work without salary or did you start it while you were still working somewhere else or did you raise money? Yeah, I was, I was working for a venture firm and I love my job and I had no, no idea of leaving. And so we started around November of 2011, and it was bootstrapped, working, working the other job, um, and that lasted for about, I guess, about nine months. And at that point, it was growing really quickly, and I, I had decided to make the leap and go into it full time. And as I was leaving, um, there were some seed dollars available, so we, we started to raise money then. Did the fund you worked for back you? Yeah. Yeah, they did. That's always um, good. Yeah. Uh, and they participated in the round, and then the round was led by um, Mike Hirschland of Resolute Ventures. And Mike had worked with me, or I, I should say it more, I worked with Mike at, at Polaris and running Dog Patch Labs. And uh, what were some, if any, what were some challenges you faced early on? Oh, I have to say we've we've had it pretty good. Um, we've had it really the wind at our back for uh, the first six years. Wow. Uh, it, yeah, there, there's really not a lot to complain about. Um, we've been we've been pretty disciplined about the model. So not putting ourselves in a position of we have to raise money, but always within striking distance or profitable. Um, we, we've, uh, obviously the industry has been great. The pet industry has just been on fire over these past six years and maybe over the past 26 years. Uh, and the competition in it, uh, when we got started was, was nowhere to be found. Um, anyone coming into the pet industry sort of looked at where the spending was, said food, let's go make food or let's sell food. And that left all the fun stuff uh, that we do wide open and no one had interest in it. So we had a clear field for a long, long time and, um, and everything just sort of worked. Um, 2018 was, <laughs> was our worst year ever. Uh, it, was, it was like everything that could have gone wrong over the, the first seven years all piled into 2018. 
Uh, so we're we're glad to be clear of it. We survived, and now we're we're back on track. What went wrong in 2018? Oh, just just bad luck stuff. Um, really bad luck stuff. Uh, I mean, we had some some growing pains types of things like we moved our warehouses and uh, probably underestimated the disruption and problems that could cause. Uh, but then bad luck stuff like after we moved, uh, our product started to come into a new port and about a month after we moved, that port was hit by the hurricane that came through North Carolina. Ah. Um, there was a blizzard and the worst snowstorm in a century where our warehouse is in mid-December as holiday packages are going out. Um, just things like that all year long. Um, so it, it's we deserve it. We, we had six years of perfect weather and then uh, one bad year. So I'll take that again. And uh, yeah, and now you can, yeah, you're in 2019 now. So you yeah. can relax. Yeah, everything's great. Yeah, back to smooth uh, sailing. We, we've been joking about it so much. Uh, a, a guy on our team, he came to me yesterday and he said, I just want you to know it continued all the way through the end of the year as driving back into the city through the Holland Tunnel um, New Year's Eve night and got a flat tire in the middle of the Holland Tunnel. <laughs> oh. uh, so, just, co- just coming from all directions. Yeah, yeah. How you're through it. You're through it, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is great. Green fields, like you said. How, uh, how big is your team now? Uh, the team is about 475 people. All in New York? No. Um, about 175 in New York and 300 in Columbus, Ohio, who are uh, our, what we call our happy team. It's customer support and then much, much more on top of that. How do you like New York as a startup city? Uh, it's the only one I know. Um, so it's treated me very well. I've started um, uh, two really, I think, pretty successful companies here that I've had a lot of fun with and worked with good people. So I like it fine. Um, it's treated me well. How do you like Columbus as a startup city? Got him. Oh, uh, <laughs> love it, actually. Um we we went there to follow a person uh, to run our our customer support, and we definitely chose the right person. Um, I would say best in the world at doing that, and got a big surprise of how entrepreneurial Columbus is, um, how much talent is there, how much retail knowledge is there, with the limited being started there, Victoria's Secret. Um, Wendy's, White Castle, DSW, so much retail talent uh, around Columbus. So that was a, a shock. Are all of those businesses headquartered there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is, something's going on. That's great. Yeah, a lot of retail talent there. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk too much. And what, uh, what do you think BarkBox looks like in five years? Uh, I think the, 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 the core of it is the same, um, where we've started is toys and treats and fun stuff direct to consumer. Um, and now we've expanded outward to distributing that through 
retail partners. So more distribution through retail partners, more direct to consumer, both in the U.S. and international, more through marketplaces like Amazon, Mercado, Libre, um, Alibaba, and then more and more products. So we have new products uh, that came out in 2018, one that's a dental product, um, some health products like CBD oils and treats for your dog, and then food at some point. And what would you consider a, a successful outcome? Do you want to do you want to sell the business? I'm sure you've had many suitors. Do you want to take it public? Uh, do you want to just keep growing it? What are your what What are your ambitions in terms of the the sort of future of the business? Yeah, we we just want the business to be successful and make as many dogs happy as we can. We want to get to all of them all over the planet and make everyone happy. Uh, and our path for that right now is independence. So um, our plan for this first quarter and the first uh, and this year is to be just very, very slightly profitable. And and then we are on a path of an IPO, I'd say in the middle of 2020 is, is the timeline we're looking at. And then uh, if something happens, if a partner comes along and says they want to acquire us and it's the right setup, certainly open to that, but we're not, not out there looking for it. How big is your business at the last publicly available information? What's the, do you, you have like half a million subscribers, a million subscribers? Uh, today we have, um, about, so in December we shipped about 670,000 boxes. Yeah, that's big. You could go public sooner. Um, that's <laughs> well, there, I'm learning there's all this other stuff you have to do, like controls and systems. And, oh, that, uh, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now I have some fun. Oh, actually, not yet on the fun questions. They're all fun questions. But yeah. how? Um, what's some advice you would have for an entrepreneur getting into starting a business today? Oh. Uh, Today seems very different than 2011 or 2002 and when, when we started Meetup. Um, the seed round seemed to be like five or $10 million seed round. So it seems very different. Um, I, I guess if it's me, I, I would say you really want to care about the, the product and the customer a lot. It's a, if it's successful uh, and goes the way you want, it's going to be a very, very, very long journey. And so you want to really care about it the whole way through. Uh, I think the chasing dollars is, is going to be tough. Um, you're going to lose patience after two, three years. So really care about the product and the people that you're trying to serve and si be ready to sign up for a long haul. What would your, with all of your findings and all the data, have you, what's, what's kind of a cool insight or let me think about how to rephrase this. How is there like a dog breed that you're really excited about now to be your next dog because of something you found out at BarkBox? A Great Dane. <laughs> Just going Dane to Dane. Uh, yeah, I love Great Danes. My, my dog is the best. Um, the thing I'm kind of curious about, especially with this dog, he's he's nine, so he's a little bit older for a Great Dane, but he, he has a few years in front of him still, but, um, 
I've been keeping pretty close to some of the dog cloning that's going on in, in Korea. Uh, I'm really curious about that. You're, you're hoping it falls within the window of the next couple of years for Hugo. Well, it, it works. They've been doing it there and, and you can pay for it. I, I think I, I have some ethical problems with the, the process itself. It seems what happens is four dogs are cloned and maybe uh, one or two survive that process, which Oof. is a bit cruel. Right. Uh, but I am intrigued by it, let's say. <laughs> so you're at, you're at maximum happiness with your dog selection, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Okay. This, is, this is the one. And nothing has changed since you've been running the business. Like, oh, you know, I could get a like you know a slightly smaller dog that's a little easier to take care of and you know doesn't shed or whatever i don't think oh, they no, do great no, no. dane shed yeah oh, okay <laughs> but you wouldn't have that's great to hear you're just happy that's awesome oh uh, yeah he's the best what he's uh best. how did you name what did you name hugo after uh not really after anything just um, it's hugo yeah just trying to come up with different names and i guess that's my naming philosophy is go through the book and something clicks um if you could choose anyone or any dog in the world to represent bark box who would it be and why <laughs> hugo <laughs> uh he does he he's sort of the the face in a way um i'll try to come up with a different dog okay it could be a person also or a person that's the thing i i I don't know. Um, Do your customers skew male or female or both or couples? Female. Okay. Um, It it is a lot of couples. Right. It tends to be um, the the person who initially subscribes is about 80% women. Okay. Uh, So heavy skew that way. But what we found, and it helps our retention a lot, is it's – it's one of those purchases where everybody's pretty happy about it. It's not like, again, it's not like the co- cosmetics coming through the door and right. me r- rolling my eyes going, I don't, I don't get this. Um, he's my dog too. So we're all pretty happy with that, uh, with that purchase. What about like historic dogs? Would there be any historic dogs that would represent your brand? Well, <laughs> Lassie. I don't know. No, Snoopy. no, I think they're, they're, Nothing against those dogs. I think it's just uh, it's not us, and so we're we're very authentic and genuine. We're not about the the celebrity dog and the perfectly quaffed dog. We like <laughs> the the messy ones and the way they really are, and they do silly, stupid things. That's the dog we want. Uh, I think that's acceptable. So Hugo, so Hugo just checks all the boxes so far. Uh, he is goofy. Um, yeah. What, uh, yeah. <laughs> what is, what's, what is something on your bucket list? Oh, wow. Something on my bucket list. That you haven't done. Yeah. Uh, for the company or, or no, 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 pers- no, personally. Oh man. Ah, uh, that's such a hard question. I feel like, uh, honestly, I'm really fortunate. My life feels like a bucket list. Um, is there something you're excited to do in 2019 or something, you know, sometimes it's travel or meet someone or, uh, you know, I don't know. It could be everyone has sort of different interesting answers. So I like to ask. But if you I mean, if it's oh, wow. if you don't know, don't sweat it. 
maybe this is a, a very sad statement on me. Going back to your question about advice for entrepreneurs, the, the company is my life and the dog is my life. So they sort of revolve around each other. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure that we're building a great company for the people who work for us and for our customers and for all our dogs. And to me, like maybe it's a bucket list thing is um, hitting that IPO as a milestone, as you know, an accomplishment. And one thing we've, we've talked about that would be really, really fun to do is um, you get there to ring the bell, bring Hugo, who's got a very active tail and put the, whatever it is, hammer or whatever on his tail and let him ring the bell with his tail. That, yeah. that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. You have to do that. Yeah. Uh, with Hugo or Hugo's clone, depending on the timing. We've got a year and a half. Yeah. So, so Hugo, yeah. Hugo yeah. sounds like he's in good health. Yes, he is. Uh, if you weren't running BarkBox, what would you be doing? Right now, nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'd be, uh, I'd be in better shape, taking care of myself, probably living somewhere warmer, um, relaxing a little bit. But uh, I say that, and then I can't help myself, and I, I get interested in something, and then it seems like a company emerges from that. So that would probably be the next thing that happens all over again. Yeah, it seems to have been working for you on the business side, certainly. Uh, that's Well, this was so great. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, new product releases, somewhere people can find you on the internet, whatever you want to talk about. No, not at all. Just uh, BarkBox.com, I guess. But anyone you, out if there, you, if you have a dog, go get BarkBox. Yeah, you have to. If I mean, if you're a good dog parent, you should do that. If not, maybe you don't love your dog enough. That's okay. That's <laughs> that, That's on you. Uh, you know, no judgment. Do you do you have any cat stuff? Do you get? Are you ever oh, going to no. get into the cat business? No. Yes. No. 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 no never. Your dog life. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that's sure. awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, have a great weekend. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, to If you haven't already, please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you choose. Uh, and check out all the episodes on makingthebrand.co uh, to hear some interviews that we have done in the past. And I will continue to update them in the future. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks again, season two. We are off to the races. Love you all.